my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited today to be joined by 2018 graduate of our program, Addie Nuno. How are you, Addie? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. It's so great to talk to you and see you. You know, it's kind of funny because whenever... Uh, the, the small talk that I, that I make beforehand with with all of our uh, guests, I, I I say, wow, it's been so long, and it, it does seem like it's been so long, but it's really not been that long. You're just 2018, uh, but I know how when you graduate, it, it does like feel like no matter whether it's been just a couple of years or a couple of months, it feels like a long time after you leave Cal Poly and San Luis Obispo. So I'm super excited to talk to you. Addie is currently working for a really cool company that I'm excited to for our listeners to hear all about. She is uh, currently the lead recruiting coordinator for Databricks. And so we're going to get all into what uh, what Addie does on, on a daily basis and what Databricks is all about. Uh, but, but I want to go back in time and let our listeners um, hear a little bit about what you were like growing up. So Addie, what, where, did you, where did you grow up? Tell us about it. I actually grew up in San Luis Obispo. Oh, um, so I'm a, I'm a slow native. Went Are to you really? Paul, yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> that, I, I don't know how I didn't know that. I mean, you know, it's hard to remember different students and, and where they grew up, but uh, that's cool. So you grew, went to slow high and everything or? Were yeah, you I did. Slow high. Right on. That is awesome. That, that's really exciting for me with a, a daughter um, now at Laguna. So you went to Laguna? Yep. I went to Laguna. Er- Laguna Middle uh, and everything. I went to Pacheco Elementary School, then Laguna. Uh, then no way. You're a Pacheco. Yeah. So um, Spanish immersion. We could, we could just, <laughs> we could, you could lead us in some Spanish right now, I bet. Uh, I am very out of practice uh, with my yeah, Spanish, yeah. but yes. yeah, you need, to, you need to be in practice. Yeah, for I sure. know. I don't get to use it as much as I'd like to. I'm sure. I'm sure. So tell us, what was it like? What did your parents do growing up here in Slud? Yeah. So my mom was, and she recently retired. So congratulations to her, but um, Congrats, mom. yeah, she was an ESL teacher. So English as a second language at Hawthorne Elementary School. Um, and then my dad runs like a steel construction business in Paso Robles. Um, so yeah, I was really not exposed to the corporate world. I will say before I moved to San Francisco. <laughs> right. I bet. I bet. Yeah. That's wild. That's wild. I apologize. My apologies to the listeners. Like I never have a phone ring in my office, you know, and a, a phone just rang. I'm like, what was that? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Calling on a telephone like it's 1980s or something. (laughs) Uh, What about siblings? Do you have any siblings? Yeah, so I have one older brother. He actually also went to Cal Poly. He did the wine and vet major, and now he works in the wine industry. Um, He recently just moved back to Paso Robles. So my dad's steel construction company has like a little like offspring and they uh-huh. do Nuno wine storage. Uh-huh. Um, so they help with wine storage for big wineries in the area and help with wine production. So he's newly back in Paso doing that. Super exciting for him. Um, so, yeah. 
Wow, that's awesome. I love it. And you know, now that you say it, I have seen the Nuno trucks. Um, yeah. <laughs> now that you say that, and I'm like, yes, okay, I got it. That's awesome. Well, really cool. I love it that the uh, I love it to hear that your family's um, back. Are you close to your brother? Or were you guys close in age or so he's almost exactly four years older than me. So we missed each other. Like we went to elementary school together, obviously, but then like for both high school and college, when I was a freshman, he just graduated. So we kind of missed each other with both of those stages, but I wouldn't say we were super close as kids because I was definitely a pain when we were growing up. But (laughs) um, now that we're older, we're super close. Um, I love it go down to visit him and his wife all the time. And it's, it's super great to have them close to my parents now, because then it's just like a one-stop shop. I get to go yeah. back and the whole family's there, which is I awesome. I going to say, yeah, that makes visiting so much. Uh, so awesome. I, I love it. And and that's my, my sister and I are, are about the same. We're about four to five years apart. So, so I know that very well. And, <laughs> and, and we were the same growing up. We were, uh, uh, we were not as close, but, uh, but now in, in adulthood, we, we've, we've grown closer and, uh, that's really cool. I love that. What, what was a young Addie like growing up? Were you in the theater, arts, surfing, sports? What was, what was your jam? Yeah, I definitely would say, um, as a kid, I probably had a little bit of an attitude. Oh, yeah. Um, I always played sports. I was always the youngest. So uh-huh. all my, I have two I grew up with like two sets of cousins who like lived in the area. They're wow. all boys and they're all even older than my brother. So oh. I was like the youngest girl, <laughs> wanted to be a tomboy my whole life right. um, just because I wanted to fit in with the older boys. Right. Um, I pretty much always played like some, my parents were like, we don't really care what your hobby is. We have to have a sport, get your energy out, stay active. Uh-huh. So I probably played every single sport yeah. in the book. Like I, love it. I tried it all. Um, that's awesome. So, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> that's really cool. So, um, what about now? What about thinking about career? You know, I've been asking people this. Like, was there? Do you remember dressing up as as um, uh, at Halloween? Do you remember dressing up as something you wanted to be when you grow up, or did you have like a dream job or any anything like that? So it's actually so funny because when I you'd sent over some of the questions beforehand. And I was chatting with my mom and I was asking her, I was like, I don't even know. What did I want to be when I grew up? And (laughs) one of the things that we definitely were talking about is for some reason, I, I wanted to be a fashion designer and my dad also really wanted me to be a fashion designer. I think it's just because I definitely had a big personality even as a child. So Uh one memory that like really comes to mind is my parents let me dress myself for my preschool photos. So I was stoked and I dressed myself in full, like head to toe cheetah print outfit. Um, so my preschool photos is like me with my, I had like a little bowl cut, um, in all cheetah print. So (laughs) I love it. It's funny. Definitely went in a different direction than that, but right. That is, that is really funny. You know, my daughter, uh, being in middle school, she had, um, uh, she had mock trial uh, tryouts uh, last week and she was, uh, you know, she, she got all dressed for it. And then she had, she had a cheetah print uh, mask 
And I was like, um, I'm not sure the cheetah print mask really goes too well for the mock trials. Let's try something a little different. So that's, uh, <laughs> that that's is so funny. funny. That's funny that preschool, you were full cheetah. Oh, um, yeah. I love it. I love it. So, <laughs> so, so obviously being a, a, a slow native, right? Uh, you had the Cal there and your brother going to Cal Poly. There was a Cal Poly connection. But, but I do know um, from experience with neighbors and other friends and whatnot that there are a number of, of um, slow natives who want to get the heck out of Dodge, right? Who uh, are uh, looking to, to go elsewhere. Um, I'm hoping my daughter's not one of those. I'm hoping my daughter follows in Addie's footsteps. But um, what was it like for you in terms of that decision to, to stay in slow and, and attend Cal Poly? Yeah, so that's actually interesting. I, I feel like I've gotten that a lot going to college in my hometown. Um, I think part of it was my parents were like very hands off, I would say. Mm. So I watched my brother go to Cal Poly. He had a great experience. They always like um, encouraged him to live off campus, like off campus and in the dorms and do the whole college thing. They kind of wanted him to experience college like if he were eight hours away or a flight away um so i kind of got to watch him go through that and then i think it also just came down to like cal poly is a great school um and so just like when i came down to my options and what i was really looking to get out of school it kind of checked all the boxes and i had a lot of conversations with my parents about me maybe not wanting to stay in slow and whatever the case may be but it definitely made more sense for me to stick around and go to a school that really checked my boxes. It seemed kind of stupid, I guess, to kind of ignore Cal Poly just for the reason that it was in slow. Um, and also Cal Poly is a more affordable school, which is awesome. And so my parents were kind of, um, I guess, I don't want to say bribed me, but they were just like, we could help you provide for some of those extracurricular activities that mm-hmm. obviously if you go to some out of state school, maybe you wouldn't have the same opportunities to like be able to participate in some of them. So I like was able to study abroad. I was super fortunate with all of that. So it was definitely great. I, I loved going to Cal Poly. I really have no regrets on that. And it was, I really feel like the slow community and Cal Poly community is pretty separate. Yeah. 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 So you kind of have a different experience and I really embraced like the dorms, making friends, like, Mm -hmm. um, branching out in that sense as well. So I feel like I, I got the same college experience that I would have, if I were to go somewhere else. Right. What about the major? How did, how did you find the major and what was that process like? And were you, were your parents on board right away with that? What, what, what was, um, what was that like? Yeah, my dad actually, so my dad actually also went to Cal Poly. He played rugby at Cal Poly. Um, so big Cal Poly family. Um, But I think he just heard about the major through some friends. My brother, I think, had a friend who had been in RPTA. um, And he was the one who encouraged me to apply to it. I was kind of just like, I'm a senior in high school. Like, I have no idea really what I want to do. And he thought it would be a great fit. And kind of he was the one who led the way. So they were definitely super supportive and kind of got me on board with that. And, you know, once I got in, I never turned back. I loved it from right off the bat. So it was awesome. Right. Well, I love that. And it sounds like you have a really healthy, uh, wonderful relationship with your parents, because I feel like if I suggested that to either of my kids, they would run in the other direction. (laughs) (laughs) My kids would end up at like, uh, if I suggested Cal Poly and RPTA, I feel like they would end up at the 
Technical Institute of Singapore doing <laughs> yeah. uh, like uh, research on anth- in anthropology or something. <laughs> you might have to do some reverse psychology on that. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> I was a psychology major, so maybe yeah. I need to reverse psychology. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, so let's talk about I, you know as you're talking, I, I totally, I totally get it because you know I mine was a little different because I was two hours away um, from from my hometown, but. But still, I, I totally do get it because I had friends who who grew up in, in Chapel Hill where UNC is located. And it's it's just like you said, it's like it's really weird how that the, the town gown thing. Right. You know, town gown relationships. We <laughs> talk about that in terms of city and, and um, university. And even though we are obviously interconnected. You're, I think you're totally right. The worlds are like a world apart. Um, and yeah. uh, I have friends who have um, kids in, in school here at Cal Poly who are San Luis Obispo natives. And they're like, oh, I don't I don't see them. I haven't seen them in like a month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I text with them, but I don't see them. Right. That's you know? the fun thing about college, though, is you're kind of in your own little world there. Yeah. Um, definitely a super unique experience. There's nothing like it. Yeah, I love that. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about your your time at Cal Poly and and what really stands out. So so when you think about experiences, right, whether it be professional development experiences or whether it be transformational experiences as a person, um, are there any are there any things that like that really stick out as as moments that you look back on your your four years here at Cal Poly and think, wow, that was that was special. Yeah, I mean, there's too many to count, really. But two of the main things that I think were super special to my experience, and I think it's partially because I did grow up in slow was like my experience is getting to study abroad. Um, I kind of feel like that scratched that itch of getting out there and experiencing Mm -hmm. something new, being in a different community. Mm -hmm. Um, So those I were super formative to my college years for sure. Um, It was helped me like be able to complete most of my, I was able to actually complete most of my Spanish minor, like while I was abroad, which was a super great experience to be like immersed in those cultures and learning um, for that. And then just getting to experience all these places. Um, And we learned so much about that within this major as well. So it was fun to get out there and live it. Right. Um, So tell us, tell us about that. Um, that study abroad experience. You you had two, right? You you Mexico yeah, so, and Spain, right? Yeah. So I studied abroad like for a semester in San Sebastian, Spain, which was mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Europe is just phenomenal because you can get around so easily yeah. um, and see so many different places. Yeah. And then I also studied abroad in San Miguel de Allende for a summer which is like central Mexico. So like a few hours away from Mexico city. Um, And that experience actually lived with like a host family, which was super awesome. Um, So I really got to be like immersed in the culture and um, eat breakfast, lunch and dinner with them every single day. That was actually through, that was a Cal Poly program. So that was nice because like the credits directly transfer and everything, which was awesome. Um, But both experiences were super, I feel like people always ask me like, if I could pick, which one would I do? And Uh I seriously can't answer that question because they were so different. Right. um, But both just such phenomenal experiences to get out and see the world and um, kind of spread my wings a little bit, I guess. Right. I love it. I love it. And, um, you know, I, I, I'll say this, I, I've been 
in higher education for, for almost 20 years now. And I, I've yet to run into a student who has said, yeah, you know, I really regret going on that study abroad program. You know, <laughs> that, that just really, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I know there's always, um, you know, obviously there's always concerns like, am I, gonna, am I going to get behind or this or that? And, and obviously um, it, it, it does come there is some privilege associated with it because of the costs and that sort yes, of thing. Definitely. And not, not everyone gets a chance to do it. So, so I can't, obviously I, I, I think we have to, to say that, but, um, but I've never, yeah, I've never had a student say I regretted going to study abroad. And so, um, <laughs> you know, if you, if you can do it, um, I highly, uh, I'm right with Addy. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. Um, so let's talk about, uh, let's talk about that transition, right. From, from college into an internship and into the working world. And, and obviously you were, well, I'll say obviously, because I'm looking at your resume and I know what you did, right? And I, <laughs> and I also know that, right, our students are required to do a thousand hours of paid um, or volunteer service. And so I know that that you were were getting out there and doing things. But let's talk about that, your internship. Um, would you get, would you explain to us um, how you got it, um, what you did, um, and if it was meaningful? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, well, during my time, like time in college, like get up to the, some of those a thousand hours and stuff, I did some like wedding coordination, dabbled in that in the events planning world. And then I actually did a summer internship at Allegretto Vineyard Resort in Paso Robles, which was super awesome. I honestly think I was maybe their first intern that they ever had. I kind of my dad like worked up the street from there and he was like, this new cool hotel's opening. You should ask him if you can be an intern. You so know, I was I, thinking you might've been Addy. I think you might've been the very first one. At <laughs> I think I was yeah. the first intern there. Um, yeah. Was Rich even there at that point? I don't think so. Oh, wow. I'm trying okay. to um, think I worked really closely with their, which I know he's not there anymore. His name was Tony and he ran the sales. Oh, like department okay. and worked really closely with the events there as well. Mm. So I worked really closely with him during my time there. Um, and it was a super great experience to kind of just like learn the hospitality world a little bit more like hands-on um, and see like the hotel industry, um, especially coming from like such a great hotel as Allegretto is um, and all the events they put on are really, really beautiful. Right. Um, so that was like my, I just did that kind of for career development while at my time at Cal Poly, my actual internship that I did for the major, I did the George P. Johnson internship, um, which was also awesome. Um, I did it the summer after I graduated. So, so I walked in graduation and then I moved up to San Francisco right after that and did the internship there. Um, it was great to be in an environment where there's so many students who are kind of in the same situation as you there's a whole cohort of kids yeah. who freshly graduated kind of entering into the event space um just to learn from them and you kind of like have a team as you're going in and trying to figure out the real world which was super great right. like a support system to have um and then i actually after that went on to work for to work for george b johnson full time right. um for some time yeah, it's been such a great partnership, and um, I, I hear over and over from from students wh whether they can from our former students, I should say, from our alumni, um, whether or not they continue with George P. Johnson or not. It just seems like a great um, 
just seems like a great experience to be able to either a get your get your feet wet and kind of move on to other things or or b you know continue with them and continue to grow and develop and um and you know ultimately figure out whether or not um corporate event planning experiential marketing figure out whether that's your your jam or not and um and so uh i i love that and i uh, love love hearing that that was um that was a good experience for you. So you you've um, for the last um, what over a little over two years now, you've been with Databricks um, and you started as a recruiting coordinator and now you're the lead recruiting coordinator. <laughs> so moving on up. Um, so I want to talk about a number of things that we've got to cover, right? I mean, you told me earlier that you've yet to go back to the office. You're, you're working remotely. So I would love for us to explore that at some point. But, um, but first of all, if you can tell us, um, explain for the listeners a little bit about what Databricks does and then um, a little bit about uh, your experience and, and what you're doing as a recruiting coordinator, because we do have a number of, uh, of former students, alumni who are working, you know, in um, recruitment or working in um, HR or employee experiences, depending on, on what it's called. So uh, that was a lot to unpack there, Addy, but I think no, it's you, okay. you, you can do it. Um, I know. Yeah. Fun. So I can actually start from the beginning. So worked at George P. Johnson. It was a super great experience. I got exposed to like corporate events, the whole thing. At the end of the day, it was a super great experience, but I just wasn't sure if I wanted to continue in the event space or not. Um, I actually had a really like a good friend. He worked in sales at Databricks um, mm-hmm. and kind of introed me into the company. I hadn't really heard of it. Mm-hmm. Um so saw the recruiting coordination role, just started talking to different people within the recruiting space and thought it might be a good fit. So I kind of just went for it. Yeah. Um, for those of you that don't know, Databricks is a tech startup um, in the Bay Area and they do data analytics. Um, the product honestly is pretty complex. <laughs> so I'm not gonna get into all the technicalities of it, um, but we've been doing really well in this space. And I think that um, it's, it's honestly just been really exciting to be part of such a successful tech startup. Um, so my friend introduced me to the recruiting coordination role. I went for it, applied, got the job, um, which was awesome. <laughs> I was really had no idea what I was getting myself into at that point. Um, but at that point, our team was pretty small. Like, I think there was maybe five recruiting coordinators. We didn't really have a manager. I reported into like this um, VP of talent. Um, the company was only, it was under a thousand people, maybe 700 people when I joined. Um, so definitely since I've been there, there's been like so much more structure put in place, which has been super exciting to be a part of. Um, so within my first few months, the team, I would say probably like doubled in size. We brought a manager on board. Things really started to progress. Um, which has been awesome. And then more recently, I got promoted into the lead recruiting coordinator role. So I actually have four direct reports and I'm learning management for the first time, which is super exciting. Um, So that's been a great experience. And Databricks has actually been like rolling out like a formal management training, which has been a great experience to be a part of, to kind of have those foundational skills. for me to learn because obviously I'm, I'm new to the space. So I'm just, I'm, right. I'm trying to soak everything in that I can. Of um, course. 
I feel like I I just like went on a tangent. Did I answer any of your questions on that one? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, um, I I just, I want to say, I I love the name Databricks. And so, you know, um, obviously I haven't um, examined everything that you guys do and and know for sure, like everything, but I, I, you got the name down. I love the name. And, um, and I, I think that's fabulous because, you know, as a social science researcher myself, I know how fundamental data is to things, right? And so that idea of data bricks and building a, you know, um, building up from the base, um, I just, it really appeals to me. So when I saw that you were working for Databricks, I was like, oh, cool. I got to look into that. I want to know more about it. And um, wow. Yeah. Some really great growth. And I know it must be exciting to be a part of, uh, of something like that. So, you know, uh, also, um, one of the the parts of the question that that I want to now um, transition to a little bit is it had to be super scary in, in March 2020 after what maybe what were you like four months on the job three months on the job um, a global pandemic hits um, so I, I wonder if you can walk us through what that was like. Um, how Databricks uh, uh, adjusted and 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 how you adjusted, what that period was like, um, what what it's been like for you working remotely, all of those things, what you see for the future, those sorts yeah, of things. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think when we went remote, I had just barely been there about six months. And I honestly none of us really knew what to expect, obviously, when everything started. I remember they told us like, we're going to have like a practice, work from home day, make sure everyone's tech is working and no one's having issues with their computers just to see in case this progresses um, that we'll be prepared. I never went back into the office after that test day, (laughs) Um, which is so crazy. I, I remember packing up my stuff. I called my parents and I was like, I might like come home for a week because we're, we're going to be working from home. Definitely thought I was only going to be working from home for two weeks, as I think most people did at the beginning of this pandemic. And then before you know it, here we are almost like a year and a half later, and we're still in a similar situation. Um, I honestly feel super fortunate to have been working at Databricks through all of this. Um, for one, they've just like handled the whole situation phenomenally. I've seen other, my peers go through different situations at other companies. And I just have felt really fortunate to be at a company that has really handled things so well. And um, they really have just been like putting the employees first and everyone's comfortability level. I would say like, obviously at the beginning, the main, main transition was we are candidate experience. So before candidates would come into the office to interview. And so we had to really make sure that we were going to be successful in this virtual environment and make sure that people were really able to have those connections and be able to vet candidates appropriately, fully virtually. Whereas before we really kind of relied on those in-person connections and social cues, I guess. So kind of learning to live in the virtual world. Mm -hmm. Um, Luckily, we already had like so much of the tech already in place. We already had Zoom functionalities, Google Hangouts, and all those different things. And our um, teams were pretty versed on how to use them. Because one of the things that was beneficial is Databricks has always had remote employees. Hmm. So it wasn't a completely new process for them to be like onboarding remote employees. Obviously, 
there was a lot of change because the volume was completely different now. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was helpful that they had some of those processes in place before, and it wasn't completely building from scratch when it came to those sort of functions. Um, But then just throughout the pandemic, I feel like they've just been, were really good about trying to communicate They're, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're a data analytics company, so they wanted to be very data-driven with their decision. Our CEO from the beginning, he always told us, he's like, we're not going to be the first people to go back. He's like, I want to watch other companies do it. And I want to see how it plays out before I do it Mm. for us. Um, Mm -hmm. So recently our office actually did reopen. Mm -hmm. Um, So our San Francisco office opened in at the beginning of August, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, But you have to have proof of vaccination. We have an app to sign up on so we can monitor capacity and it's hundred percent optional. It's really like no pressure to go mm-hmm. in if you don't feel like you want to, um, right. really ke- keeping it up to the employees and what they feel comfortable with. Right. Um, so that's kind of how it's been for the time being. Right. They have not released any plans on what they see happening just because mm-hmm. I, I really think they're trying, like I said, to have this like data-driven approach and the world has just been so unpredictable. Right. It's really hard to see like how this is going to progress and where it's going to go. Um, so they're really just taking it like step by step and assessing the situation and how people are feeling as as it comes. Since we don't really know. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Well, well, um, I, I'm going to go off script a little bit here, Addy, and and totally you, fine. I, I hope you don't mind this one. So, um, you know, I I think back to my 20s, right? And I think about, man, if a global pandemic had hit and I was doing everything remotely, um, I think I probably would have um, ended up, uh, let's say imbibing a bit too much um, by way of extracurriculars <laughs> and would not have done a very good job, I don't think. <laughs> um, and so I, I, I'm just curious, I mean, as someone in their 20s who suddenly had this shift, right, to a completely different um, reality, right? Like living from living at home and working from home and, and all that. I know that it was a huge shift for me as a 40 something year old, um, you know, with, with a wife and two kids and a mortgage and, you know, pets and all of that. I mean, I mean, I just basically worked from the front porch, you know, um, and, and it was great, you know, cause I could <laughs> garden in between, you know, but if I was in my twenties, it just feels like it would have been really difficult. So I'm curious whether Databricks has done anything to to keep you guys connected as teams, whether you're the the leadership and management, and and also you know you um, how you've how you've managed that personally and professionally. Yeah, so I I think this question is super interesting actually because if you were to have asked me a month or two into the pandemic how I'm doing, if I'm liking it. I would have told you that I hated working from home. I couldn't wait to get back into the office. I wasn't about it at all. Um, Flash forward to now, I think one of the hardest things for most people transitioning was really the lack of routine. Um, You're so used to like, I used to wake up, I would go to the gym, I would go to work and I would do my thing. It was like, I would walk to and from work in the city. I was always outside. I like had such a routine. So like that shift was definitely difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think once I got a good desk set up, I kind of got my work life figured out a little bit. 
Um, that was super helpful. And then also just like kind of getting my routine back in place. So whether that was like waking up, making sure I have time to have my coffee in the morning or trying to go on a 30 minute walk before work, just trying to implement like some sort of routine back into my life was like super, super helpful. I was super fortunate that I live with I don't know if you remember Daniela Shu. Um, she actually also was an RPTA major. Yeah, yeah, um, nice. So I live with her in San Francisco and she's, I've lived with her like all through college. We get along super well. She's been one of my best friends. So I'm lucky to have had a very good living situation through it all because yeah. I know that that was also an issue for some people once they spent so much more time at home with their roommates yeah. Yeah. Um, or family or whoever they were with. Right. Um, so almost like yeah. a real, a real, uh, you know, from my, from my era, it was, um, it was uh, the the early MTV like reality series, yeah. You know, like where where they um I, I forget what that they were even called. It was like um Real World. Was it Real World? I think? Yeah, the Real World. Yeah, I Real World that. series, right? It almost feels like uh it might have been like that if it if it had been me and all of my roommates. Like yeah, like that would have been just a nightmare. <laughs> but uh, I love but, hearing I love hearing that you had us you have you had support there at home yeah. and um and you guys were were in it together and that's so important i, yeah. lo- I love hearing that now i feel like i've just had well i think also it's so different now because the world's opening up a little bit even though it's not obviously 100% back to how it is we have right. a little bit more of our social lives back right um and what i kind of noticed especially working within the recruiting spaces when people wanted to go back to the office at the beginning, I think it was less about being in the office and more just about like craving social interaction. And so much of our weekly social interaction was like at the office. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think now that I have like the balance of, I can, I can get dinner with a friend. Mm -hmm. I have that social outlet aside Mm -hmm. from work kind of coming back into my life Mm -hmm. um, as people are vaccinated and things are opening up. Mm-hmm. Um, that's super helpful as well. And honestly, now I'm in such a routine working from home. I honestly can barely even imagine going back to the office. Right, right. I've I like of, it now. I've, yeah. I've really been enjoying it. So yeah, um, I've heard a so. number of people talk about that arc um, that are very similar to what you've um, what you've articulated there, and and I love it. I appreciate that. So the last thing I want to end with, Addy, is I, you know you were you were here at Cal Poly when when we uh, when we did the name change, and so um, you you bring a unique perspective because you know we uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but I mean we we had to sell that to you guys. You know, you guys were part of the the era where we had to sell it because we were we were switching our names in the middle of your college career, you know, and and so um, I know some really embraced it, others, um, you know, not not as much, but then maybe came around to it once they realized um, the direction that we were going, and so I, I'm really curious in your your recruiting space that you're in, you know, the wider umbrella of employee experiences and that sort of thing. I'm wondering if you if you see, you know, the, the shift that we made with experience industry management, it was meant as an umbrella, right, to cover more things, right? I mean, we can't have special events, sport, tourism, hostility, recreation parks, all of those things underneath. We can't have that in the name, right? We had to, we had to have an umbrella. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, but like you've heard me say and others have heard me say, the experience design element that we have integrated into 
the major now, that co-creation of experiences, uh, you know, coming from the experience economy, that staging of experiences, right? You know, when you're when, when you're recruiting and onboarding and going through all that process, I would imagine that comes into play, but I I don't want to. I don't want to force you to say that. I mean, are you, do you, do you see that? Do you feel like now I know that you didn't get the full experience with, with the department shift because we hadn't made all of the curriculum changes at the point that you were in school, but do you feel like um, your experience at Cal Poly and in our major has helped you to do the job that you do? Yeah, I really do. And I honestly think I was shocked when I started actually just like exploring this route of um, candidate experience, how many parallels there were, mm-hmm. even to like my events jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't really expecting that, I would say, but there's so many of the same skill sets of like you, your customer facing, you have the same like experience. Um, I don't know, like candidate experience, customer experience, you have that all those same skill sets, thinking on your feet. It's very similar with like candidate experience. You're working with people. People are the most unpredictable thing <laughs> right. to work with, seriously. Yeah. And I learned that in events, um, like all those skills of like being able to like think super quickly on my feet, um, being like that customer facing person. Uh, there were so like, I seriously can't even articulate how many parallels there were. I was shocked. Um, So it definitely set me up for success, I would say. And I I also think that I love the name change because I I think it just really encompasses all the possibilities of what people can accomplish um, under the major. Whereas before, I think it made people feel like they were put into buckets a little bit more. I would say where like you had options, whereas this is a little bit more of a holistic approach to the industry. Definitely. And how it's going to continue to change, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. And 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 for me, I think one of the things that that and one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast is I, I wanted to 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 help to show people that it's a big tent, and that um, you know even when you're not necessarily in um, an industry that where one might say it falls falls under the traditional experience industry, that connection of experience design and that connection um, of transferability of skills to any um, to any work experience, I think is is one of the things that I see as, as really super valuable. And and so I, I think we can we can stay more connected to you know to our alumni, to our partners and um and it, it's just great. And I really I really appreciate you taking the time. You know, I, I want to end with you um telling us like one funny um Zoom fail story from uh, uh, from uh, your your experiences in working uh, in in working with employee experiences, but I don't want to put you on the spot. And I know you are bound by certain um, regulations and whatnot, where you probably can't share. Um, I will share. You know, most people don't realize this, but we in um, higher education we started interviewing with Zoom. Um, like four or five years ago. And, um, and so I have actually seen some pretty funny ones, you know, we were, we were interviewing this candidate once, um, and he was, it was, uh, it was early morning in Beijing. It was like five in the morning. Right. And, um, 
because of the time difference, right? And so I, I think it was like after. I don't know. I'm sure people are going to be like, no, that's wrong. But I, I don't remember. Early morning in Asia would be late afternoon our time. Yeah, so it was. It was late afternoon our time, right? And so but we could tell it was early morning because of the lighting or whatever, right? And in the middle of this interview uh, with this candidate, um, his grandmother shuffled by in the background. And in the middle, he was mid he was mid sentence and he turned around and just yelled at her in Mandarin. And she just like looked over at us, like with this, like, look like, Oh, sorry, you know, and just shuffled on by. And it was all I could do to keep from laughing because it was one of the funniest moments I've ever seen in an interview, you know? And, um, uh, but anyway, <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. I, I definitely will spot, say, but... I think that the virtual, interviewing and just virtual world in general has broken down some walls um, in the corporate world, just because you really get to see an insight into people's lives, especially when everyone was working from home, their whole families were home, you know, it was an unpredictable time. So (laughs) it was, it was for for sure. sure. For sure. And I'm sure we all can relate to those close calls that you have where you like answer a zoom call and then you're, you're like, Oh, wait a second. Like what is in the background or yeah. what am I doing? What am I doing? Like where I'm in my bedroom, you know, it's, like, it's a little scary. Right. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, well, Addie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing. Awesome. See ya. Bye.